Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hello, everyone. It is AMD week, and today's guest is Becca, somebody that I connected with over Instagram. I just love doing that, meeting strippers and sex workers on the interwebs, being more connected during these times. Um, But Becca is a stripper from Florida and um, works with undocumented workers and um, has had a chance to talk to some of them and Honestly, I would love a chance to talk to more undocumented um, strippers specifically that are working inside of the strip clubs because there's a lot of things that a lot of um, documented workers, Americans, don't understand what their struggles are. And um, I think it's really important to talk to those people and see what it is, like how can we best support them instead of trying to figure it out on our own and probably fuck it up in the process. And you know, we say a lot about sex workers, like stop doing things about us without us. Well, as sex workers, I think that we have a responsibility to do the same with other people who may not have the same privilege or opportunities to be able to, um, you know, speak to management or speak to owners because they just don't, you know, they're just in a more vulnerable position. And so I think that as a way to help improve our work environment, if we are all looking out for each other, um, then we could become more united in a way. But like, but how do we do that is something that I'm really interested in. But more importantly, how do we do that with them, not without them and for them, because we know what's best, but how, what are ways that we can support the most marginalized in our industry? um, And, you know, there, there's a very fine line between sex trafficking and sex work. And um, I think that it's sort of up to us to be aware of that and find ways to help each other. Um, and so that's sort of what you're going to hear on this episode a little bit. And um, if you have any input, insight, comments, or criticisms, please always feel free to write to us on Instagram or an email. Um, yes, a stripper podcast at gmail.com. And um, I would love to hear your thoughts on the topic because I think it's something that we just don't talk about as regularly as we should. Um, and there has been more awareness around um, how mainstream sex work does affect Um, more indigenous folks. And I think that in our conversations around sex work lately, that we have been um, overlooking certain groups of people and not intentionally, but by overlooking, we're still doing damage um, and harm to other people who need it the most. So that is kind of where my head is at. And I think that's also where Becca's head is at. And so we touch on this and it's just kind of the beginning of this conversation It's definitely not the end. And there's definitely no real solutions found here in this episode, but 
we're starting the conversation. So I hope that you'll listen with open ears, open mind, open heart, and um, have some ideas and thoughts that you'd also like to share with us because what you think matters, how you feel matters. And I want to know all of it, even if you're pissed. So I'm going to stop talking now so that we can head over on to Becca and you can meet her and listen to her experiences and maybe some of them might resonate with you. So it's AMD back again and have a very exciting guest today. Um, Today we're talking to a dancer named Becca. But before we get over to Becca, I just wanted to say a huge thank you and give a little reminder about donations to this show. We are still a listener funded show um, and we appreciate your donations for those of you who have sent in donations. We appreciate you so much. And the money goes directly towards paying our guests and our hosts for the work that we do. And so we can get big and famous and get like real sponsors and advertisers. Um, But until then, um, yes, we appreciate you. And thank you so much for sharing. Um, You can send any donations or tips or make it rain to paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast, or go to yes, a stripper podcast.com and find more donation buttons there. So thank you for listening to my spiel. Let's head over to Becca. Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm pretty good. I'm awesome. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Um, (laughs) Hey, Becca, before we get started, can you please let everyone know what your pronouns are? Um, my pronouns are she, her, mm-hmm. or Faye, fairy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either one works. <laughs> love it. I love it. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So, um, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, you know, this conversation is important. You and I have been chatting on and off for a few months now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I can't believe it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, totally. And I've just like been really grateful to hear about your experiences because of part of the country that you're in and the access to, you know, certain types of dancers that not everybody has access to and the insight you mm-hmm. have. And so, yeah, I'm just really excited for people to hear about like what your experiences are. So um, thank you for being willing to share all of that. Of course. I feel honored that I'm even on here because I was like binging a lot of your uh, podcasts and you have some very powerful people on here sharing some very powerful stories and just great. Just great. Listen, I got my best friend into it and I'd be like, no, 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 wait, turn up. You got to hear this part. And we pause (laughs) it and like talk about certain parts. And it's just, it's been great. I'm just really grateful I came across it. Thank you. I love that you said something to me the other day and you were like, this is, I've never been on a podcast before. And that really resonated <laughs> with me because I'm going to say that the majority of the guests that we have on the show have not been on a podcast before. And so, really? I, yeah. And I like, I Could sat with me. that. <laughs> yeah. But I sat with that because it, it made me realize, well, yeah, there's, not a lot of opportunities for strippers and sex workers to be on podcasts, you know, unless Mm -hmm. it is sex worker stripper run. And I myself have been on some podcasts as, you know, a sex worker and a stripper, but, um, it was because I just know people or because Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for so long. I've been on camera and talking for so long that I'm just like kind of this 
go to. And it made me realize Mm -hmm. like how little opportunity there is for so many other people to get their stories out. And those powerful people that you mentioned a few, like a minute ago, they're all like us. They're like you, they're, they're strippers that are just living their life and, and sharing their experiences. And they're just so full of wisdom and, um, and a lot of them (laughs) had the experience either. So, you know, you're not the first. We're all the same, bro. Don't have experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that definitely yeah. takes a little pressure off. I'm just like, you talk to some amazing people, and I'm like, I do. I make pretty shiny things, but like, am I that amazing? <laughs> you are. All I. That's why we have this show is because like, yeah, so many sex workers go just unnoticed with their stories. Yeah. And these stories are so yeah. valuable to like the fabric of society, and like, we have so much insight. So many sex workers have so much insight on. Yes. What the the issues are and like potential solutions. And so, yes. yeah, we're really- We're firsthand. It's like, exactly. you can't, you yeah. know, you can't get any more like on it than that. We're like, yeah. On the <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to start with, you know, something that you're really familiar with and which is mm-hmm. like, what's been your, ex- your experience at your workplaces and you can sort of lump in more than one place and, or an area or whatever you want, just like share with us, like what you, what your personal experience has been so far in your, um, I think you say you've been dancing for 10 years. Yeah. I didn't think it was that long. And I was talking to my best friend, Sarah, shout out Sarah. I love you. You're going to listen to this later. (laughs) She, um, she was like, Oh, you've been dancing for a decade. I'm like, why are you going to say it like that? Like, I really, I like was in high school, a senior, um, as a shooter girl at one, like a small rinky dinky club doing lap dances in the back. All the dancers hated me, but Hey man, you know, it's a small place. You can get away with a lot. Yeah. I remember doing that. So it was so funny because we only really had like one room for dances and it was like this one big room and it had like a jukebox. So you can only play like the stuff that's on the jukebox. So like my go-to song was She Will by Lil Wayne. I could still remember it in my head (laughs) and like just turning back and like seducing like the jukebox. And I'm like, oh man, this is so beautiful over here. (laughs) Yeah. So I've, I've been primarily dancing in Florida. I've only have experience dancing in Vegas for three months back in 2017. But even in those three months, I noticed a day and night difference in how like the girls are treated and overall how like just the customers act. Uh, not so much the dancers because there were so many people. I didn't interact too much with uh, the dancers there, but like the, the clientele was just different and they didn't, they weren't, I don't know, even the regulars, I guess you would say it was, it was a different feeling and vibe. And then the management treated you a little different too. Who knows? Maybe because they're charging a little more to work. Right. Yeah. So you're more of a commodity to them, I guess. Maybe. I don't know, but like people come and go so much in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Like my experience in Vegas was a little different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have a lot more of an experience and I was a lot younger when I went. I wish I had the mentality and the body that I had back in 2017 to like go work out there because I know I can make way more than what I came out with. But you know, that's how, that's always how it is, right? (laughs) You're like, if I had the mindset I had what was the experience in Florida like? Like, was it more of a negative experience Mm -hmm. in Florida than Vegas, do you think? I feel like when I first started, it was different in the sense that, like, it it didn't feel like an influx of girls. They didn't, like, 
I feel like nowadays they just hire anybody and over like overcrowd the shifts and they're, they're, they're hiring younger and, and, um, girls that have no experience in any sex work either. So you're, and you're not, uh, like kind of helping them either. So you're having all these younger people, a lot of them at a time come in. So back in the day, I feel like people were a little bit more experienced around me and there wasn't as many people. And, um, I mean, I don't know if that really makes a difference, but I just, I remember that from the beginning of like my journey. And I remember there, I don't know there. I feel like it felt more of an entertainment business when I first started, whereas opposed to now people just want to go party and hang out and they kind of like shame you for, for trying to literally just do your job and like ask for tips or say like, Hey, my time is valuable. And they kind of, I've noticed like customers nowadays, they're at least down here, they're just more prone to just kind of like belittle you almost because you're not either giving them a hundred percent what they want. Um, or, doing your job trying to collect money which is you know you could go to a bar and do what you're doing right now but you can at least say no thank you like I've had people get literally physically upset and it's wild I've noticed that the club owners down here are just more open with taking the customer side I worked at a club for four years it was my home club and I've had some like traumatic experiences there where you know like I, I wanted to call the police and like, you know, get someone escorted out and then they talk you down because, you know, you don't want that in the club. You don't want that attracting. It's, it's not good for business. And um, I don't, I don't remember if it was always like that because I was really young when I started and it was kind of just a, a fun thing. I didn't look at it as a career. I just looked at it as a way to not clock in and have like my own schedule and make cash. So I don't really recall too much. I wish I did. Cause I like, I'm just different nowadays. So, but yeah, yeah. there's so many things that you said just now that I'm like, yeah, I've experienced that too. Like for instance, the, in the past, um, when I was working in Los Angeles, I would get like, I would get customers very angry with me Mm -hmm. for not doing certain things that they expected of me. And I remember, did you notice that when you first start though? Um, I mm-hmm. noticed that it did change over time that it, mm-hmm. it progressed mm-hmm. to that. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember in particular, this one customer that really wanted to touch my boobs and I just didn't want him to, not to say that I haven't allowed that in the past, but I just, you know, Consent I, would, is key. Right, and <laughs> I would just pick and choose who I would be okay with doing that. And when I didn't do mm-hmm. it, he complained to the manager and so we had gone up to the VIP so it was like a five dance minimum and we did like one dance and as soon as you go up to VIP they mark you automatically for five dances right and so I'm marked on the board for five dances this guy does one song with me realizes that I'm not going to do what he wants goes and complains to the manager and the manager says to the guy okay you don't have to pay and then makes me make up the five dances for the night Like I had to then make up five dances to get myself caught up on the board. So I wouldn't owe money that I didn't make. And yeah. That greed. I wonder if it 
I mean, I've talked to dancers that have been in the industry longer that said that greed has always been there, but like that they were meaner now. And because of how things have been going on, like they can't say what they used to say, which kind of baffles me because I'm like, man, you guys did very good in the industry financially and the customers seem to respect you, but seems like the management has always been all sorts of whack. So maybe they were always making good money from the beginning. And it's like, well, I don't understand. Yeah, so I, I know that back in the day, strippers used to get handed paychecks from owners and yeah. management to come yeah. to work. Plus, they would keep their dance money and their tip money. And then that just like slowly got eroded. <laughs> then they were lowering the checks. Then they weren't giving mm. them checks. Then mm. they were taking a portion of their <coughs> and So it just- Did laws change or- this, that's the thing. The laws never change. So the, the thing about like AB5 that happened in California that people get confused about is we are federally recognized as employees. Like we always have been, yeah. which is why strippers win 99% of the, the cases, the labor lawsuits against strip clubs, because um, when they don't even usually don't even go to court, they get settled out of court because the club knows if they go to court, they're going to have to pay the lawyer more money and they're probably, and they'll have to maybe pay out more instead of just settle. And so that's why we keep winning these lawsuits is because we're already federally recognized as employees. The only difference now is in AB5 and in, in California versus the other states is that if they get caught doing illegal shit, then they'll get in even more trouble than they would be before because it's like very clearly written. And that's the thing in most states, it's not very clear. Like the, the managers and owners find loopholes to continue doing illegal actions, which is mainly wage theft. What you're saying kind of pisses me off because it, it literally means that you could change things and you could make things how they were because the laws never changed that that that's on management is what you're saying I had no I didn't know about that I I thought that like over time we mm -hmm. things laws change or something like no 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 (laughs) no so that makes me so mad so in California specifically and I can't speak on other states and the 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 written law that makes um makes a worker uh, either an independent contractor or an employee is if the the worker is performing the main duty that is essential to the business inside yes I was reading that then you're considered an employee Um, I was reading that yeah. yeah and a lot of people are like well I don't want an employee first I don't want and we're gonna to get into this some people don't want their legal name on the documents for, for whatever reason because for whatever reason yeah it's unsafe being a sex worker at times or you could lose family or friends or your your tribe you know so there's that and then other people like well I want to make my own schedule well you you still can do that too just like when you work at Target you're like here are the days that I'm available you know and they don't most of the time they don't schedule you on days that you're not available. So there are, there are, I I do see the concerns from people about being employees and like, well, they can force us what to wear. Well, there's ways. They already kind of do that. They already do. do And honestly, I don't know if, if you've talked to actual, like the people that work at these clubs, like cocktail waitresses and bartenders, but a lot of them are getting paid under the table and they're forcing them to work schedules and they force them to come in. So, you know, like they 
they don't force us to come in, but some places will like, you know, raise it on certain, uh, you know, days or like, uh, there's some clubs that if you don't come in on certain days, you can't work the weekend. So in a way they're kind of like pushing you to come in. There's places I talked to you about to this, uh, about, uh, I talked to you about this the other day about the two girls that I met recently, I believe from Tennessee yeah. that they are more on like a schedule and they have, experience something similar to someone that you've talked to on here before where when they don't come in on those days that they're scheduled they have to pay the fees to work the house fees and the tip out on the days that they what in okay even when you have a regular target job and you call out sick target does not take your entire earnings for that day and make you pay them what in the that has to be some i'm calling the police (laughs) call them they're the worst but you know what i mean like (laughs) okay so i like to put it in context with like a plumber because a lot of time a plumber is an independent contractor and if i call a plumber to my house and the plumber is like, you know what? I can't come and see, I know we have an appointment, but I can't come for whatever reason. When that plumber does come to see me later on a rescheduled time, I'm not going to that plumber. Well, you owe me money now because you didn't come when you said you would. So like it makes no sense. And there's no other industry that does that. And it's wild to me. Or like I've not. heard correct me if I'm wrong, but like the, the, the people who are employed in California that are dancing, um, I've heard that like, you know, they made their rules kind of, you know, wild as employees so they can push them back into being independent contractors. And it's like, you're taking about what was it? 80% of their revenue or something from dances. And it's like, and what other industry when you're a barber, it's usually like 60, 40 and you keep all your tips or something, right? Well, you're renting know. the chair, yeah. something like that. I don't yeah. know the, the percentage, the but you're still renting. confuses me. I don't really know. <laughs> I, think I, I don't know much about it either. Please. Yes. I'm going to talk to my, next time I go see my logician, I'm going to uh, talk to her um, and see if yeah, maybe she can tell her a little bit. Cause she's also that synonym a lot people in when mm-hmm. I'm having these conversations. And so I think what we do need to do is have, and maybe you can help me find a stripper that's also a hairdresser so that they can oh, explain sure. to us the true differences and similarities and how <laughs> the laws are also applied to that. Um, oh, I'm on it. Yeah. So if anyone's also listening and they're <laughs> a candidate because um, DM us. <laughs> yeah. So it is so convoluted though. That's the thing. And when the, when the law was rewritten, because uh, to be clear, AB five was, was a reestablished, it was a rewritten law. It was the same law. The law was still the same. It was just written to be more clear. So it could be mm-hmm. harder for people to violate that law because before it was written in a very confusing way, which leads me to also my point, which is what now the club owners and managers are doing, which is making the process when they go into work extremely convoluted and confusing. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to figure out their tactic. It's almost like they're at, they're Mm -hmm. in financial wage war. That's what the club managers Mm -hmm. and owners are doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. So what's happening in Florida where you're at? Like, are you paying exorbitant house fees? Are you getting charged for not coming to work? Do you have mandatory tip out? What's going on there? Um, no, we are not getting charged when we, when we, when we don't work. I found both the times I heard that in these occasions to be very wild to me. Um, but they, they, they do charge us house fees after a certain time you can't work. Um, house fees don't reach more than the last place I was at for four years. It was like, 
10 was a cutoff and it was 50 bucks plus tip out. But like 10.05 is the last time you could possibly be on the floor and they up your house to 75 bucks, which is wild, you know? And then plus DJ gets 10% and plus, you know, your all the money that you get taken from your dances. 10% of what? Of your total 10%. profit? 10%. It's supposed to be of your total earnings. Um, but since they can never really track how much you tip, right. they make sure it's at least 10% of what you make in the back. Okay. And then if... Yeah, if you if you over time are cheap with him or, you know, like they'll talk to you. I've had numerous talks. I'm pretty sure that's why I was sticking out of that club because I was kind of like, I was a good tipper when I do good, but when I wasn't, they would expect so much. And I like sometimes I would be guilted into giving almost everything I made that night or half. And I'm sure a lot of people that are in this industry feel the same way. They yeah. just they don't want to lose their job, right? Because you've been fired over that. And it's like best to leave with 12 bucks, but you paid your house that night. So you're not on like you know, the manager's bad side so that he can fire you and make space for another person to work there, which is just a, a wild concept to me. It's just like, that's very, that's very, that's a messed up way of doing it, but that's it's how so they do toxic. it. But, it's so but I will tell you this, Yeah. this last club I've been at for the past year, I, I, a lot of the, um, so a, a lot of the, the people in this industry and in, in, in at least my area are, are more prone to full service. Mm-hmm. And I've, um, talk to a lot of the ladies are very open about it and they get they're getting higher house fees because of it because mm-hmm. the management knows it's going on and they're exploiting them and they make them pay higher fees in house triple what we pay because they're making like two grand a night which should be what we should make as dancers in general but we're happy leaving with five that's a good night for us nowadays mm-hmm. dancing because like it's just gotten to that point people are just mm-hmm. coming out to party and party and like that's all great and i want to create this party environment mm-hmm. but you have to understand I'm working and you can party anywhere else and you have to respect that and either tip me for my time or not be there. And like, mm-hmm. I get that you're probably dragged out and it's a bachelor party and you weren't thinking about spending money, but maybe you shouldn't have gone out if you didn't have an extra hundred to spend or 200 for going to a bar for whatever reason, you're going to a, a gentleman's club at this point. So you, you should come prepared to spend at least something, yeah. you know? gentlemen's club so funny to me because oh yeah and the last club i worked at they pushed so much for it to be a nightclub literally on the wall plastered it says their club's name and ladies and gentlemen's nightclub that's what it says on the wall and i've seen them do like like uh i've seen the manager there like do like um like articles that like and i've read online and referring to the place as like a nightclub lounge thing and it's just like you're adding to this and mm-hmm. all this, all this together is adding to it. You know, besides, mm-hmm. I feel like it's not, you're not separating what this place is for too. People come in here with all these ideas of what we do there. And it's creating this, this wild environment, which is why I wanted to get to the point of, you know, there should be some sort of rules for everybody that's in, in these clubs. So we kind of, you know, know what's expected of us. So people don't come in here with all these ideas of what you're going to get. And you just come out to have a good time and know that we're entertainers because that's literally our, our, our job titles. We're here to entertain you. And that could be in whatever way that you may please, but you need to ask that and, and, and yeah. make sure that you do and are not expecting it and not lashing out and angry at, at performers because they may not be you know, fulfilling the fantasy that you may want, whatever that may be, like right. move on, ask someone else, they make it feel that. And if not, like 
it is an entertainment club, you know? Yeah. Like there's, yeah. I've always had this vision of there being more like hosts at clubs to like pair with certain clients based on what they want and what they're looking for. Um, and then I will she could be all dressed up hot and like at the door to Yeah, and it definitely should be a female and and a yes. sex worker. Like I, my whole belief system though with sex work is that it needs to be run completely by sex workers because um nobody understands being in the shoes of a sex worker unless you've done it yourself. Um but and then I've always like I also have a vision of like, you know, there's a clear understanding of what to do in the club and something that I've noticed that's lacking is when a customer walks in the door, there's never like, especially if it's their first time, right. That they do that at fucking restaurants. Is this your first time here? And they do that because and they explain it. Yes. That's literally what I mean. When Yes. You took the thought right out of my head. Yeah. Literally. So it's more of like, because the customers are clueless, especially if they've never been to any strip club, but also like, all clubs and establishments and businesses in general are different. So I'm going to go to Starbucks and I'm going to get a totally different experience. And if I go to a local, more grassroots, smaller chain or not even a chain, like, you know, so I'm, the experience is going to be totally different. And so I don't walk into a local, small little coffee shop thinking that I'm going to get like the mushroom and kale egg baits. Like I do at Starbucks which I love. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, so I think I agree with you in the sense that it's like, what is this establishment and what, what is like the ins and outs of this establishment? And that's kind of set the tone should be set by the workers themselves because they're the ones offering the services. The service. Yes, I, I agree. Or at least something where we come together with the management and we all talk about it together and, I, I don't know about the area that, well, you know, some clubs are a little nicer than others, you know, you know, we are making yeah. a lot of money, but, <laughs> but I especially feel like we need to hear from, I don't know about you, but at least down here in Florida, a, a good portion of the dancers here are all Hispanic and a lot of them don't speak any English. And yeah. like, you're not represented if not only do you not know like the, the rules and the law and what's going on in this place, cause you're going in with this you know, blank mindset, but you know, your input's not really thought about because no one's really asking because they don't understand you. Like I am a translator a lot between the Spanish girls at my club and the management because I speak fluent English and fluent Spanish, even mm-hmm. though Spanish girls still hundred percent set me. They're like, yeah, and I'm like, it's cause I have dreadlocks and it's fine, but except me, I speak, I speak and I understand and I grew up Spanish, but you know, it's important and we need to talk to them and we need to get their insight. I I would love to just know where their mind's at. I've noticed that like, you know, a lot of them, they come in, they come in, they come in in groups, they bring in girls and they bring in girls younger and younger each time. And they, they come in and it's like, you know, they, they teach them their ways, but that's their ways. They haven't like learned their experience are also kind of been, you know, prompted on like, Hey, you know, this is what we do. We do this here. It's kind of like management going over your contract and what's like the house rules expected for like, you know, 
money. Flow of the payment. club, money, right. payment, but not like, you know, as opposed to like, you know, what to do in a case of emergency or how to react to customers or what to do if you're having like a ba- bad day or like nothing like that because, you know, right. I don't know. That's why we probably do need a host or some sort of female entity or or, pers- or person that is just compassionate, that it's in charge, that can be that mediator between maybe management and um, uh, the girls that's like, hey, like, let, let, let's do something so the flow is better. Like, you know, explain what I just did to them and also yeah. the management explain like this is why we're doing this so that you can have this run more smoothly and you're yelling at less girls that are drunk because they're upset about something but you could have realized that when she came in and was clocking in and and by the way she got dressed you know like but they don't really enough care compassion. about how we're feeling they, they don't but you know a house mom's almost kind of like a halfway person I talk to my house mom to get information over to the management sometimes because yeah. I'll soften the blow because I know that they're a lot closer and you know the house mom is someone you're very close to in the in the locker room but you know something like that what do you have you had an opportunity to talk to any undocumented strippers and can you speak on that but with also keeping them anonymous um not something that I could say by a hundred percent, but I know based on the status and the stuff that they talk about at the club and how new they are from Cuba and how unmarried they are and how they don't have family here, that there is maybe something that's not, you know, there, but something is scaring them from leaving our club because of fear of trying to get a, a, a job at a different club because mm-hmm. the girls are open to just paying triple and not fighting back or not saying anything back and just doing as what is told because they don't want to get fired. And mm-hmm. I've seen them express that. And, you know, we, we've seen them express, you know, their unhappiness over paying extra in house. One time it happened at the end of the night when we were leaving and she was saying something and it was when all the girls are gathered around, everyone's out. So everyone's listening to it and the management wouldn't give it back to her because apparently the customer uh, gave it to her as like a, a tip and like for the house and then gave her an extra 350 on top of that, which I, I'm not trying to out anyone, but that is what they would charge for their full service. So it's like, that is her well-earned deserved money. You shouldn't even get any of that. But that's 75 for house. When our house is 25, he was trying to take that 75. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why do I have to pay 75 houses 25? And, and, you know, because it was like the girls were, were all together. And then we all kind of, kind of like talked about it. And then he heard the girls in Spanish. He was at the register counting the, the bar down for the night. And he turned around and handed her $50 and was trying to get her to just like, whatever, like, let's just forget about all this. Let's whatever, whatever. And it's just like, you know, we're seeing what you're doing. And like, because it was, you know, cause you, she immediately was, cause he, when he talked to her on, on the side about it, he was just like, you know, you could just not come back. And as soon as he said that, she was like, Oh, Oh, Oh no. Cause she was trying to fight to get it back. And as soon as he said that she snapped, but she did came and chat to her friends. And when he heard yeah. the promotion, he, it's like, come on, dude, you know, so it it's sounds just like extortion, basically. 100%. 100%. The, the, mm-hmm. the VIP guy extorts the girls, too. He told one of the girls, one of the girls told me, in, like, uh, in the locker room one day that he told her that there's hidden cameras. Mind you, our private rooms don't have hidden cameras. So if there are cameras, they are hidden, and they did not tell us when they when they mm-hmm. took us in the interview and told us. So he told her there's hidden cameras, and he sees what she does in the back. And if he doesn't pay her more, tip her out more from the cut, from what she knows she's doing, he's going to get her fired. Because she's not supposed to do that when they all know they do that. And the owner of the club comes there for that. Mm-hmm. Also doesn't pay the room price and doesn't pay their extra fee. Just gets it whenever because yeah. he owns the place. Yeah. That's wild. So that's wild. 
I know it, it, it is. And I, I feel for I'm them and I just, sorry, what? No, it's okay. It's a lot. What is, because you have an opportunity to work with more undocumented workers than maybe some other areas of the country. And like, Mm-hmm. Have you talked to other dancers that are documented that also see this issue and, and like have any any idea or is there any beginning talk of like how do we protect, you know, our siblings in the workplace? Yeah. yeah. Our, yeah. Our siblings. Um, I, I feel like that could be a conversation that with, you know, some people I would be able to have. It is, you know... I don't always get close to too many people um, that I work with, not that in depth, but I would like to be, especially since I've met some great people in this industry that work in all different parts of Tampa. I would like to start this conversation, but um, it, it hasn't because I think everyone's in this mindset that they're just trying to survive in this industry and do well when it's been doing so bad for like, let's be honest, like a few years. And even though we've had our good seasons here and there, they seem to have less of a grasp of when season is and it's all over the place. And when it's supposed to be season, it's not good. And when it's, when it isn't, they have like a good few weeks and it's just like, yeah. And the pandemic didn't help. It did not at all. (laughs) It did not. And Florida was all, all over the place. We didn't even have, like we, we shut down for five months and then everything opened up pretty much fully. And during those five months, people were having pandemic parties. People were not giving a, crap and like it was wild and you know it's just a wild thing and I also feel like we need to talk to them about like you know maybe teaching them like tactics ways and the English language because like someone one of them that was young said something to me that resonated with me because she did a dance one night with a customer that was inappropriate with me to the point where like the management talked to me, but never kicked him out because he's known him for 20 years type shit. But like, it was just, it was just very, very inappropriate. And, you know, she did dance with him after. And, and I was like, yeah, no, he, he did this and this. And, and it was like a violation. And, and she was like, well, he pays me very well. When I do this, he pays me like $700. And I was like, you didn't really tip me. But she's like, well, but I have sex with him. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, like I wouldn't. And that's why he left storming last time because he was trying almost the entire half hour and it was just like getting to the point where he's very large and aggressive so I had to try to end it because it would have crossed the boundary and I was like I was like no because I've gotten that with like the customer later that night I didn't have to do that and I like because I'm 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 not comfortable with that a hundred percent like I I have just you know my other things that I guess would be full service or just my own ways and she looked at me and she was like yeah, but you speak English. She's like, I don't know English. I have no other option. What do I do? What would I do? Mm. How would like, and it Goodness. like broke my heart. Cause she's like one of the newer ones that they brought in. She's like 18. I had to have been 18 mm. already has done so much to her body. Cause I'm not, not saying anything about anyone that does that, but like, not because it's something that I could tell she wanted, but something that is part of the industry to make yourself better for your job that she's so young. And it's like, you know, usually you would wait a little bit on decisions like that. So, you know, it's something you really want forever. And, and, and I just, it seemed to me that, you know, the pressures of just doing this because she's in this country, maybe undocumented, maybe not, but because she, what other industry could she not speak a hundred percent the language, you know, like if we teach them the language, this wouldn't be the only thing, you know, that they could have or, or give them resources like apps. There's apps where you can learn languages fluently. And yes, that, and how about, 
we teach our men about consent. How about that? Well, okay, but you know, that's gonna, that's a, that's a loaded one because we're gonna have to start real, all the men's, all the, all the, in the exactly. world. We don't have time, man. My lifespan's like, like what, I know. another 70 <laughs> I know, it's a huge task, but imagine <laughs> if, if. I didn't mean to laugh at you, but no, man, it's fine. I, it's, it's a funny concept because. It's a hard thing because people will not accept it when we try to explain things. When I tried to explain to a man the other day that wasn't rude to me in any way, but did not understand the concept of how coercion is considered rape. I was like, how are we going to have these conversations? How are we going to start these things? Yeah. How? I mean, another good stuff too <laughs> is to train and teach managers and owners about consent and about how extorting sensitivity therapy or something. Yeah. Yes. And, and about how extorting the most vulnerable is actually like a really, really terrible thing to do and hurts so many people and perpetuates waves of violence by extorting the most vulnerable people um what how let's teach them that you know and i do agree with you that these dancers all dancers especially the most vulnerable do need to be given resources and and taught the ropes of like what you know what power they have what autonomy they actually have and yeah. i do agree with that but i also think that like the people that are running the show are just literally all they care about is the money in their pockets, which is why DJs say things like, if you don't tip me, I'm going to get you fired. Well, I'm not going to put you on stage. I'm going to jeopardize you and your money. And you still have to give me your money. And it's just like, right. And that's all they really care about at the end of the day, because dancers are disposable. And in my opinion, that's why they keep hiring them younger and younger because they have less life experience. Yes. Yes. So that's easier to manipulate a small mind. I went to a club the other day where I tried to apply as like a waitress or like a door girl because it's very too much local. And he was talking to me about how OnlyFans ruin the whole dance industry. And I'm like, I hate that narrative, right? Because you can never compete with something physical, although it has made it easier for people to both stay homes on both ends, which mind you has its own benefits. Nothing compares to physical touch, which is why we're still making money. And in some parts, girls are still making stacks. Okay. So like, don't say that, but like, he literally was like, yeah, well, we have an OnlyFans for the club, for the page where we get the girls and like the young ones, the really young ones. And we just get them from there that are doing all good and I'm like that's fucked up because they're on there doing their own shit not having to like uh answer to anyone except for that yeah. 20% fucking cut out but no rules no boundaries no anything except for that you know flimsy shit that happened with OnlyFans lately which by the way you should if you could change your platform because fuck them but like you know like yeah. fuck man like fuck that's like no because once you do it listen that's my personal opinion but like listen like it just sounded a little toxic I felt like oh are we in a trouble about now like I don't know but like you know, because the way they did that, it makes you think like, like you're going to do that again. And like, that's not how you should treat these workers. And there are sites made by sex workers, which I believe is my girls is made by sex workers. Um, that gives you more of a payout, I believe, than OnlyFans mm. that where they don't, you know, they won't kick you out and they do advertise you and they do care about you and they wouldn't like, you know, they would fight for you as opposed to three days later being like, just kidding. We talked to the, the company and we're fine. You know, like care about us. We're human beings. We were talking about that before we started this mm -hmm. episode. Like we're, we're human beings and people forget that. 
Well, yeah, but I think that brings up a really good point in like, like what has happened to our industry? Why has it gotten to the point where we're being extorted? We're, we're experiencing wage yeah. theft. We're experiencing abuse. The money has gone yeah. down. There's more dancers at work now and we're paying more house fees. Like what, and the, the way I see it is like, that is um, a result of society's image of us as a whole and media perpetuating that image. And then also the greed of capitalism and white and, yes, and the yes. um, presence of white supremacy, which is like sort of like this is like this pot of like all of these issues that are just kind of go on. Well, and lack of communication in there because I feel like lack of communication well. is the reason of uh, a big part of it. Like we're not talking about our expectations. We're not having monthly reviews. We're not like we're just kind of saying some random things last minute for, you know, for the purpose of whatever it may be to just make the night better. And, and we're thinking day to day and we need to think big picture. We want this to run smoothly. So something that I've, you know, I hate to say this, but honestly, a lot of also the issues stems from um, a lack of accountability for the people who are in management and ownership positions that they're just never held accountable for their really, really terrible actions. And they've gone unchecked for so long that they feel untouchable, invincible, and they can continue doing these things. And they do, they do. And it continues to worsen. I've been in the industry for 20 years and I've watched over the last 20 years, progressively how much worse the treatment is towards strippers. Specifically, I'm talking about strippers because that's where I have the most experience. Yeah, same. Yeah, and I, I really do think it's a lack of accountability from the government, from the community, and from the workers. From everybody. Yeah, and from I do everybody. Under- yeah, everybody and I do understand the workers are often in a more vulnerable position and it's really scary, but it's also really scary where things are going. It's really scary it that, but it's really scary where things are going. It is. So now I feel like a good question to ask is like, how do we start the conversation with these people who feel this way to where it doesn't end up in us losing our positions or respect or not getting what we wanted? We don't want anyone to be offended or upset, but we want to start these conversations so that we can have change, you know, besides also working on actual like legislative change, but like, you know, should we start small and just start the conversation? I'm thinking maybe ask for like some sort of meeting. They all, some of them have staff meetings. Why can't we have a staff meeting after when everyone's waiting there for them to let everybody out and collecting money? They were all sitting there for like 25 minutes anyways, just sit and talk about our night. Maybe like not just run the numbers and see how the bar did, but like, how was your experience? How was the flow? Like what, what, I don't know. Like they don't care. <laughs> Because they don't care. Like, okay. So, so when I worked at Jumbo's Clown Room at the towards the end of my work there, right before my accident, they decided like, okay, we're switching all the dancers over to employee status because of the AB5 law. And they had a staff meeting with the bartenders and the bouncers and all the other supporting staff and not the dancers, but about what was happening with the dancers and how things were changing for the dancers, but did not have the meeting with us. And they had a- Sounds shady. And, but it's, it's just also like- It's like, why? Everything's changing for us. Why aren't you having yeah. an open conversation with us? Not them, you know, or yes, talk to them, but like 
all of us together maybe? all of us together all of us it's a very important thing because our uh, input matters and when you do stuff like that you you erase us and i'm just tired of being erased by society and that's how i feel every time someone comes into my club and disrespects me it feels like i'm getting even more erased by society and that's why sometimes i react with anger and i'm not the best dancer and i need to do better at that and that's part of one of the rules that i should follow right is like like you know learn how to manage that, that. but like it feels that way. It's a little bit more of a jab towards like, you know, not accepting me, but like using me and embracing my culture. Right. But like, you don't stand up for me and you say horrible things to me. And, and like, I'm tired of it. Like if you have an opinion, that's like not nice, keep it to yourself. Like did if you didn't have parents to teach you that, well, I will, because I'll call you out. And I've found that because before when I was younger, I was a little little angry baby shit. I was like, like be physical and stuff like that and get all crazy. But like now I'll straight up shame them. I'll turn around and be like, who raised you? Who raised you? Did you not come from a moment? Are you sitting here disrespecting me in front of your friends? Do you do this? Do you do this anywhere else? Is there a reason that you didn't ask me? And the, oh, right away, it just killed your buzz. You're welcome. Go buy seven more drinks and some more in the bar. And also tip me right now for wasting my time. You're breathing my air. I charge. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. We all need to have a little talk. But How about that? The, but like, <laughs> touch on the comment about being a race. Like, I mean, we feel that way. Like, so you know, I mean, I'm blonde hair, blue eyes, and you know, you, you're light skin as well. But imagine if it's like a person that doesn't speak 100%. English or dark. It doesn't get to even person. have this conversation. No, it doesn't have this opportunity. Right. So imagine yeah. how they're feeling when it comes to feeling erased or like dismissed or diminished. And, it, and, and that's something that I'm really looking for more dancers on the ground to, to, um, take into consideration is, um, what can you do to take a stand for those people who are not in, um, a position to do so for themselves because they're the most vulnerable. And so I'm, I'm really, you know, I I'm thinking of people that I won't say out loud in mind where I'm like, what are you doing? You have so much privilege and you're just working in this racist environment and you're doing nothing to hold your leaders accountable for the discrimination that's happening. And that, that's, that's a very irksome for me more than irksome, but um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really like, that's why I'm really fascinated in having this conversation with you. And I would love to talk to an undocumented worker about what they experience, but that that's not, an easy thing to do because they can't out themselves for so many reasons. They can't, but you have created a space where you can do this without video and well, that, I could always true. be a translator that's and true. you could always change their voice if they feel comfortable and we can get them on. I don't know if you ever have done that or be wanting to do that, but I'd be in here translating for someone if they would be open to have a meeting with you and talk about their experience. If you ever want to do that, that would yeah, be nice. I think that would be really great because we, the whole point of this podcast too is to give voices to those who feel like they, their voice isn't heard enough, you know? Um, and I don't mean to say give voices. Let me say to amplify voices because everyone has a voice. It's just whether or not it's heard you know? Um, so yeah, I would love to do something like that because like, also like what fucking position am I in to sit here and talk about how they feel? Like I have no fucking, let's ask them how they feel. Let's ask them how they feel. And that's kind of what I've been trying to, to do at the place I've at because I I've gotten really close to them and like, you know, they confide in me more and 
I've asked them how they feel, feel about their, um, like their choices to be full, full service. Cause I've, I've like decided, like not decided, but I've considered making that choice. So I wanted to ask like the opinions and see where you at mentally. How do you do this? How does it work? What, what, what's going on? Like I, you know, I mean, what are you charging? I've considered it, you know? And, um, although I couldn't get myself to the point there, I did get the, you know, the insight on a lot of girls and, and, and how they do this and how it's their job and, and how in Cuba, like, you know, she was like, you know, $20 American dollars to translate to places a lot of money. And that's what they were charging like full service. And like, you know, like the people that were coming in from America, you know, they'd come in and, and like, you know, uh, more touristy areas. So it's like a familiar, um, um, uh, career that they, you know, they've done before. So it's not something that they think about where I am a little bit older and I think about everything and I'm like, how could I emotionally do this? It's just kind of like, you know, it's always been my job and like, you know, I also enjoy it. So it's, I don't think about it that way. I just kind of like doom, doom, doom. I'm out. And like, my house and my, my, my fridge is yeah. full, my house is paid for and I'm happy and I'm, and I'm okay, you know, but right. are you really okay? Like, let's ask them. I don't know. Like, this is just right. a couple conversations I've had here and there, you know, gaining the, like the, the comp, like, um, not the confidence, but you know, getting, getting the trust of, of these young ladies that, that aren't, that we don't really always have these conversations with because we, you know, we're either working or whatever it may be. It's been pretty slow at the club. So, yeah. you know, I've been, open to ask a lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah. I look back at my time in Los Angeles and when there was an influx of Ukrainian and Russian dancers coming and they barely spoke any English and it was really hard for us to get close to them for so many reasons. They kind of really kept their distance. Plus they, like I said, mostly spoke their own language. And also like back then we were all, more so plagued with whorephobia as a collective and because their cultures and ideals around sex work were very different than ours at the time there was sort of this misunderstanding and there was an ignorance to the American dancers of like what's okay and what's not but also at the same time like I don't know to what degree that they were coerced because they were brought over here. So what did they, those other people, I don't know the ins and outs of that, but it was all very strange because it was like, we all knew each other, even if we didn't like each other, but when for Mm -hmm. working with the, the um, Russian dancers, it was, there was just like an air of mystery and um, almost like contempt towards each other which I look back and I wish so badly that I had the mindset to be more inquisitive and to try to understand more. And instead I was very judgmental and, um, and that doesn't help anybody that didn't help me. That didn't help them. And that didn't help the environment, but it also was Mm -hmm. like, like we weren't on the internet, like we are now. It was just a different time where we weren't exposed to ideas. We were just ignorant. We, yeah. we didn't know. And now we've learned it and we can only just be better than we were yesterday. And, you know, maybe an experience has to get that extreme for you to really like, cause you're not a bad person, but to snap yourself out of something to start an unlearning process, which we all have to unlearn a lot of stuff that society has taught us. Like you said, you know, yeah. phobia, I feel like something we've been taught society, like as a society. And I feel like you've talked about stuff like that in some of your yeah. episodes as well. And it's, you know, it's a lot, a lot of unlearning we have to do together. And, and I, I'm sure that 
a lot of us can relate with that too, you know, just having a moment where you you probably weren't adding to this, you know, adding the best to the situation, but. It definitely wasn't adding (laughs) any value. It was, I was devaluing the situation. Yeah. Yeah. but it, and in um, to move on, I would like to talk about, um, you know, about what it is that you do with your time outside of the club and what inspires you, um, because you are um, an artiste besides being a strip artist, yes. you're also a, another kind of artist. Can you share with yes. us? Yeah. Yes. Um, so I, um, I'm a resident artist. I do. Um, a lot of fun little household things. Uh, I have like a little business. I have like a little website. Um, it's down right now, but it should be up here soon. Um, yeah, What's I do a lot ears? of like. What's in your Okay, so right these now? are for you, but since like <laughs> this podcast um, happens to know the one I thought, I didn't get them to you in time, but I'm like, I'm going to feature them on the show before I send them to you. But okay. these are actually a custom mold that I had made for my shop. I have not sewn them yet because they're going to be part of like a, a woman empowerment series that I'm going to be doing. It. Um, it's going to feature like a bunch of awesome feminine things and beautiful, yeah. like just amazing artsy, just open-minded, beautiful things, just awesomeness. So, and yeah. So for our listeners who aren't watching the YouTube video, which you totally should, um, <laughs> Becca is wearing, um, what are they? Is that resin? Resin. Yeah, so they're made out of a resin, and, and so basically, stripper boot. Yeah, so I got them custom made. She had to like three D print them because there is no like stripper shoe. They're so cute, but like it kind of looks like a little Barbie heel. Like I would Barbie wishes, but like <laughs> I can't wait to wear those in my ears. And you make other yes, resin. Um, I do. Can you tell us? What I like to make things that are like functional, so it's like something that you know you could have around the house but you know serves you purpose so i like to do like a lot of trays and coasters i do keychains so you can keep them i have a market um this saturday that i've been prepping for actually and i'm like introducing a couple new things i'll show you on air because you know why not i haven't really showed them but this is gonna hit hit real good the little charcuterie board. Oh, it's a beautiful charcuterie board. Oh my god, that's stunning! Yes. What is the thing on the corner? What is that made out of? So this is like resin. So resin okay. comes in like a liquid form, right? You okay. mix them together, and they harden over time. And it's almost like a plastic, like almost like a glass. And you pour it into molds, or you pour it on stuff. And um, you've probably seen like resin marble floors or countertops. That's mm-hmm. not actually marble. It's made with an epoxy. They use it in like boats and stuff like that to like keep. Uh, parts together underwater mm-hmm. well you pay a lot of extra money to get an artist version that's nice and clear because resin does come from like tree sap mm-hmm. um and you add pigments and glitter and all this amazing beautiful little thing and like dyes and stuff and you come up with amazing things so charcuterie boards are going to be something that i did new and look at this mm-hmm. big one i still have to add detail to oh gosh it's beautiful I, it's so stunning it's so it's like for those of you who are listening it like it reminds me of like ocean kind of layers of water and it's got glitter and it's like really teal and aqua it's so yeah sad. yeah Thank you. It's, it's supposed corner. to be like a geo geoid yeah. joid yeah, yeah. <laughs> sarah's gonna get a kick out of that one joid geode um <laughs> yeah because i when i i'm bad I, I can't pronounce stuff and i was like joid and she's like yeah and i'm like i don't know geode but yeah that's like the new little style right now and I have a couple of other like 
What is that? Little, this is kind of like a little trinket dish. Oh, for jewelry. For jewelry. That's and it has beautiful. like real pressed flowers in it. I love it. All right. So we yes, definitely have some cute things on the Instagram yes. so everyone can see Let's what we're do talking it. about. I actually just worked with somebody that you um, connected me with, and I'm very, very grateful for you and her, Miss Honey. Um, she put together this amazing self-defense like stripper care box. There's a link, I believe, on the, what is it, the, the United by Polls uh, website? No, yeah, so United by Poll. That's so funny. That's a hashtag that I made up like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually, right under like Strippers United. That's awesome. Yeah, it's um you can find that on the Strippers United Instagram page. So Honey Lestrange put together a self-defense mutual aid care kit for strippers and sex workers, and you donated resin protective keychains. Yes, yeah. I actually have a couple because like let me go grab one. Okay, so I made them a bunch of times because I had issues in my apartment with moisture. My resin wasn't working. So I have a lot of mess ups, but um, I sent them all out to her. She should be actually getting them today. But oh, yeah, exciting. I yeah, she actually had someone that donated to the actual um, like boxes being made. So I donated half of them and I actually got paid for the other half. I just wholesale priced some of them. But here's kind of like an example of what I sent out. These aren't finished or anything, but they look like this. Okay. Yeah. So it's a really sharp resin glitter purple keychain that you can basically use to jam it into somebody's side or neck or whatever. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And it goes right on the keychain. It's small. Yeah. (laughs) I sharpened them too. I was sitting here like, hey, hey, like a little mad woman. Like, yes. Like, try to fuck with us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they look like this, but like, so I look at, see this, this is what happens when there's oh. moisture in the air. Shout out right. to my, they're going to blow them not doing shit about yeah. it. But anyways, like, so I had to remake them. I finally found a resin that I could work with that, that worked in this environment. So I sent them all out yesterday with my business cards and all something for her. And I'm actually making her a pair of earrings that I'm gifting her and um, a pair a keychain that she's having for her and a good friend of hers. So I love excited it. to start that. Thank you so yeah. much for making things for strippers and sex workers. So I love everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's stripper tips. I feel like a good stripper tip um, is just be mindful. Be mindful of other people. You know, you're in this environment where there there are no rules. It's kind of like a madhouse. And you're kind of just, you know, there to you know, for whatever reason you're there, but be mindful because you're, you go through things and you have feelings and you know how it feels when people don't treat you well. And, you know, you're less prone to probably come across, you know, things if you're, if you're just reciprocating kindness and just Hmm. being mindful. So definitely do that. And, uh, wipes, keep wipes on you and like, please some spray because, you know, some of us don't always wash our office all the time. So you already spray it down here, wipe yourself down because you don't want to get a little, you know what I'm saying? And then just a little yeah. wipey to the, you know, and it's nice to keep them in the bag. I do that too. Because one time I had a guy pee on my leg and I mean, I'm not, I'm okay getting peed on, but like, I ain't paying people. <laughs> But, like, I wish I had a wifey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was great. That was perfect. 
Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. If the sky could be any color that you want, what color would you choose and why? Mm, God, it's very hard because she's already gorgeous and turns every color that I love. I would just probably add some glitter and some iridescent. Okay. You know? Yeah. Just some of that, maybe, maybe, because everything, literally, it's just perfect. All the oranges, I was just saying I'm making a charcuterie board that look like the sky during sunset when we draw clouds on it with all, like, Gorgeous. the oranges and the, uh, I like uh, the glitter Mother Nature's perfect. Yeah. May, uh, listen, made with glitter is my little, like, little tag thing. It's on my little, like, thing, and I'm probably going to print out more cards, and that's going to be my little thing, my MO. But Iridescent Creations is the name of my shop, and literally without even trying to, I get glitter and everything. Even things that I'm trying to make for dads that don't have glitter, like these little magnets. This little guy has a little glitter in him, yeah. and... I just have to embrace it, you know, maybe I love how you turned the four for one <laughs> question into a marketing. <laughs> I'm really good at it. I'm good at my job. <laughs> All right, <laughs> next one. Next one. Since grass is edible, why do you yes. think that humans don't eat more of it? Um, you know what? It, it's a little weird. It's it's the texture for me. I just couldn't. I can't eat. I can't. I can't eat edible flowers. Either beautiful. I'll try to. You know, I'll spit it out. But I can't really like you know vegetables either. Like some of them, like okay. <laughs> salad. So grass is like vegetables. That's why we don't. So grass is like you know vegetables, and since I don't eat salads, like I can't relate. So I don't know. <laughs> okay, got it. What's invisible but you wish people could see? Ooh, your energy, your aura. Because I wish it had a color and it just radiated like how people describe it and people could see it. So maybe they would respect you a little more. I don't know. They're like, whoa, look at her. She has like this rainbow glitter aura. Why would I ever say mean things to her? Because I can see it. I don't know. (laughs) One more question for you, but I just realized that I hate it. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask it. Um, no. But I'm going to ask um, if you could be reincarnated into any animal. Oh. Alive or extinct or current. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would you be and why? I mean, the first thing that came to mind was a cat, even though there's probably something cooler. But it's just because I can relate to them so much because, like, you know, I just want to lounge around all day, get fed snacks, treated like a goddess, picked up, coddled, you know, like Hazel lives the best life and right. I'm jealous. And then so, also it's just like, love me, but with your eyes, but also hold Right. So a house cat, not a street cat. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely a house cat okay. though. Like I have a little collar, I have a little tail, I love that, my tail, I'm a house cat. I, I love it. So you're obviously a cat person. So. Yeah. <laughs> I make a lot of cards. So, you know, I make little cats. Though. I love cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, just a quick reminder to our audience, as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, this is a listener-funded podcast, and any donations go towards paying amazing guests like Becca yeah. and the other hosts that are working on this podcast so yes donations go a long way even if it's just a little bit and you can donate at paypal.me forward slash yes a stripper podcast or visit yes a stripper podcast.com and find the donate button on the home page so becca can you tell us all exactly where to find you and learn more about your business and learn more about you 
Yes. Um, I have a private main account, so I accept, you know, just based on whatever mood I'm in, I guess. <laughs> That's at cute ass Becky, B-E-C-K-Y-Y. And I also have like an art page and that's public and I, I update and I put a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, and that's at underscore iridescent creations. And I should pop up my little logos, this cool little crystal cluster. It's pastel. should uh-huh. see me. And I have a website, but you have the link is in both of my bios. So Okay, perfect. Thank yes. you. I can't wait for people to see all the things that you showed us on camera here today. Again, if you want to see some of the stuff that Becca showed and you're just listening, click on over to the YouTube video and um, scroll to the end so you can see all the cool stuff. Yeah. Um, yes. Thank you so much for joining me today and having this conversation. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. It's, a very, it's very important to have these kind of conversations that it, we kind of had to always check in because I sometimes find myself falling off, especially when you just get back into the habit of things and stuff like this kind of wakes you back up. So we need to keep checking in with each other. So I appreciate you and everything that you do. And I'm glad that you're around because I feel like I can always just at least text you whenever you're available, you know, for you to just have like, just be there that, that that rock that we need yes yeah. we need you we need you outside because we need you focused okay yeah. you need to be our rock you need to be our rock yeah and we need each other we all need we each do. other so yeah united front thank you so yeah. much and thank you to all of our listeners for always tuning in we appreciate you so much and we'll see you next week bye Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode has been a production with Period Podcast Network. Find out more on Instagram at Period Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram too at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Please like, subscribe, and rate Yes, a Stripper Podcast here on YouTube. See you next week. And that's on period. Network.